Better than this, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Tuesday Takes on Takes edition of the show. Kyle, welcome. Joe, sounded a little bit like Ed Odron there for a second. Who? A little grumbly. You? Me? Guys, oh. you know? Guys. Yeah. How would, how would Ed Odron, if you just... Maybe could impersonate him. No, I, would, I don't know. Like, I'm not capable of doing that. Yeah. I wish we would have asked him to do that on the show yesterday, though. Man, I missed the opportunity. That'd be a good. That would have been a good soundbite to have. And yeah, we dropped the ball. <laughs> See, I can't even do it, man. You're right. Yeah, no, nah, it hurts the throat, <laughs> man. Uh, so we got takes on takes today. See, this, this is hard. This is our first recording with me not being at your house since. Uh, <laughs> Since Alabama LSU, we were together this past weekend. I flew home this morning. You you drove back drove back to your house from the airport and took a nice sized nap, huh? I like to say I finished my night's sleep. <laughs> Let me ask you a question: Did you get lost on the way home? No, no. I'm, I'm very proud it out. of you. That's I've good. got it done. I got it done. It's very good. Joe's sense of direction behind the wheel is not his best quality. You know, and you know what I don't have to do very often because of that. I don't have to drive places. It's great. Great quality that I have. Yeah, that actually works out pretty well. It's a great point. Yeah. All right. You want the first uh, one, right second takes, one? Then. Yeah, I'm ready. Why don't you give me the first one? All right. It's yours. Vontel. Javon Kinlaw will end up getting drafted before Derek Brown. Would that be a surprise? It'd be a surprise to me, but I, I've learned doing this for as long as we have, right? Like, never say never. I certainly think there's a realistic possibility because Kinlaw has had a tremendous season. Uh, I would not draft Kinlaw before Derek Brown, but depending on teams and their interviews and and what their specific vision may be, I think Kinlaw squarely put himself in the conversation of being a mid-first-round draft selection. So uh, I think that by itself would make him eligible to potentially surprise and jump Derek Brown for some teams. Uh, Take from Holden McKinney. Joe, a good comp for Devonta Smith is Marvin Harrison. Takes on takes. I'm always very, very hesitant to uh, bring players like those into the mix with comps. And I can see where Holden's going here in terms of how they win, right? You can get some similarities in terms of being true route technicians um, with good ball skills, but maybe not necessarily the most dynamic athletes. Not that Marvin Harrison wasn't a really good athlete, but you don't necessarily equate him to one of the, you know, the premier athletes that's ever played wide receiver. So from a, uh, the perspective of this is how they win type players. Yeah, I, I can get on board with that, but you know, and also kind of their, their size and stature, just how it all kind of plays together. But man, I, I'm always very cautious. Every time I talk comps to, guard against the career trajectory comps are always stylistic. And so for that reasons, I, I, I think it's okay. Uh, Tyrion, Tyrion uh, Lannister says with it's not Tyrion Lannister, it's spelled different. How, how do you know how Tyrion Lannister spells it? Do you know that? 
There's books, brother. I know, but you haven't read There's them. There's a Y in there. Is it T-Y-R-I-A-N? Tyrion? I don't know. Use Google. <laughs> but you just know there's a Y. All right, so Tyrion, not Tyrion Lannister, says, with Haskins named the starter for the rest of the year, Washington has a ceiling of 2-14 and 14 and will hire Mike McCarthy to try and fix Haskins going in the next year. Well, Washington's got a winnable game next week coming off the bye to play the Jets. So they got that working for them. Yeah. Uh, ceiling of 2-14 and 14, I think is a little harsh. I think they could probably win maybe 4-12 and 12 is the ceiling I would put on this team right now. Uh, I don't think they're going to hire Mike McCarthy because I think Mike McCarthy's going to be hired by the Cleveland Browns. Kyle, let's let's do the classic Kyle Krabs move. You say two and fourteen. Let's work through the rest of the schedule. You tell me win or loss. Let's go. All right. All right. Jets win. Winnable game. So there's two. So wins. that's I'm gonna mark it as a winnable game. Yes. All right. Here we go. The rest of the way. Lions at home. No. At Panthers. No. At Packers. No. Eagles at home. No. Giants at home. Winnable game. At Dallas. No. So their ceiling's three wins. Well, three three wins, but you know, maybe maybe Detroit if Matt Stafford's not back. Hadn't considered sure. Stafford Stafford being injured. So if Stafford's absence is extended, yeah, I think three or four wins, but two and two and fourteen's a little harsh. All right. All right, Joe. Take from Cameron Spencer, slandering Grant Delpit. <laughs> Grant Delpit has not made enough splash plays this year to make up for his abysmal tacking, tackling. His disappointing play, plus lack of positional value, will cause him to fall into the late 20s or even later in the 2020 NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, Grant Grant's not been the player he was last year. Uh, one and a half tackles for loss, had nine and a half last year. Last year he had five sacks. He has not recorded a sack this year. Last year he had five interceptions in 13 games. This year he has one in nine games. Last year has nine PBUs in 13 games. This year he has four in nine games. So he's not been the, the type of playmaker um, he was last year. And so when you when you combine maybe a, a drop-off a bit there in terms of playmaking, you continue to see the same tackling inconsistencies. Now, I know he's had some injuries this year. All those things really matter. I do think that it's fair to say that uh, you know he's he may decline is in, in this draft because also we've seen that happen with safety. Sterwin James, how the hell did he fall out of the top ten? Minka Fitzpatrick right. fell out of the top ten. Like those were great, great, great safety prospects, and they fell. We've got a flawed Grant Delpit. If I think of our expectation as top ten, then yeah, fall is definitely in the cards for him. This one is tailor made for you, Kyle. The sports nut. If Miami isn't drafting in the top two, which they are not right now, and Denver is drafting in the top five, you could see Elway trade up to jump Miami for Tua despite drafting a QB last year. Uh, hashtag takes on takes. And to add, how pissed would Kyle be? If the Dolphins don't trade up into the top two, it's because they don't want to. I'm going to do a little exercise with you, Joe. Mm. I'm going to be Washington picking two. Okay. Yeah. You're going to be John Elway. Good person to be. Make me a trade offer for number two. What pick do I have? Denver has nine right now. Hypothetically, if they, he's, he's saying hypothetically Denver's drafting in the top five, put him at five. Okay. So I'm the Denver at five. I want to get to two. Yep. 
make well, me a trade offer. All right. So to get to from six to three, the 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 Jets gave up three second round picks. Yes, two in the first year and one in the second year. All right. Uh, I don't know if that's. Uh, I'll pull it up. Denver here's their draft capital. They have two. They have a two and they have three threes. All right. Hello, Mister New York Jets. Is it? Is it uh, John? No, Bo- it's, it's Washington. Washington. I'm, I'm- oh, what's up, Mister Snyder? Uh, I'd like to offer you uh, my number, uh, my first round pick, my second round pick, and two third round picks. Well, Miami's going to offer me their first round pick, another first round pick, their second second round pick, and a third round pick. So, can you beat that offer? No. Okay. Thank you. Click. <laughs> Hang up the phone. That's the point. That's like. Typically, teams who enter rebuilding windows have to worry about, quote unquote, winning too much. But the way Miami has positioned themselves, they don't have to worry about it. Because if they want a guy, they'll pay the price to go up and get him, period. And they're not going to be good enough to be picking down into the the early, the fringe of the top 10, right? This team's probably might, might finish 4-12 and 12 as the ceiling for Miami. That's the case. You're probably picking no lower than eight. So for the difference of Denver picking five and Miami picking eight, an extra three spots, you get an extra first round pick this year, and an extra second round pick this year, and the third round pick, and you could probably get a 2021 pick from them too. Take from Dion. LSU passing coordinator Joe Brady and Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski. Uh, should be the top two candidates for an NFL head coaching job. Their resumes this year speak for themselves. Yeah, I think I think Stefanski is 100% in that mix. Joe Brady is interesting to me because yeah, he's he's really not experienced. Um 31 years old. A uh, couple years as an, an assistant with Sean Payton this year with the uh, obviously what he's done in LSU has been spectacular and of course uh, a couple years at William and Mary, played at William and Mary, but I think this goes back to some of the discussion we had last year, talking about some of these new coaches that were brought in. And do you want somebody that can be the CEO and establish culture, or do you want a guy with great X's and O's and scheme? Right, and, and there's benefits to both sides of that. And ideally, you can get guys that give you both. Um, but I think I'm a little bit hesitant to lump in Brady into that because I don't have any type of feel whatsoever in terms of his ability to be a CEO and establish culture, especially given his age and, and experience level. Brock Purdy's latest performance against Oklahoma, five passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, makes him an intriguing option for the 20, 2021 QB class that's lacking big names next to Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Well, we got to figure out who's going back to school first, right? Sure, sure. Because yeah. I think that that can be a very big piece of the puzzle here. Is Jordan Love going to come out? Is Jake Fromm going to come out? Those guys going back to school for another year might be able to infuse some some excitement into the draft class for, for 2021 for quarterbacks perspective. So um, I will say this about Brock Purdy. He's, he's flashed a lot. I'm excited to see him continue to grow as a football player. And, and I certainly think it's reasonable from Dennis uh, to say Brock Purdy uh, will be an intriguing option. And the Oklahoma game obviously was a strong performance for him in that football game. So uh, don't think there's anything inaccurate here, but I think there's a lot more that we need to figure out about the 2021 class, which in order to do, we'll need to figure out exactly who's in it. Uh, take from Owen. 
The Pittsburgh Steelers will make the playoffs at 10-6, and six, winning 5 of 7 remaining, losing only to the Bills and Ravens with the Ravens game Week 17 deciding the division. Whew, right? Uh, so they're 5-4. and four. Uh, So can they go 5-2 and two over the last stretch of games? At Cleveland on Thursday night, uh, yeah, they can win that game. At Bengals on the next Sunday, yep, they can win that. Uh, hosting Cleveland the following week, that's questionable to me. At Arizona, questionable to me. Hosting the Bills, questionable to me. At the Jets win. At Baltimore, questionable to me. So I think we have legitimately uh, four games here that make me a little nervous about that. So I think their ceiling is 10-6. and six. I think 5-2 and two is probably reaching every bit of success they can have. I'm not ready to say that they're going to beat Cleveland twice in three games, right? They're Cleveland arguably coming off one of their cleanest, not, not arguably, they came off their cleanest game of the year against Buffalo uh, for them, at least their standard. And I'm sure that they're wanting to ride that wave a little bit. And, and so I don't think that they're going to win. They're going to lose twice in three weeks against Pittsburgh. And I'm not ready to say they're going to go in Arizona and win. And of course, Buffalo and Baltimore. So yeah, it seems aggressive. I don't think it's unrealistic, but I think it's a little aggressive. Uh, Charlie says, what's going on in Miami? A few more wins, and they will not be forced to do what I strongly believe they should do anyway, draft a quarterback next year, not this year. Don't worry. The schedule is much harder next year. They still won't win many games. So Charlie's effectively saying with a few more wins, the Dolphins might as well just forget about drafting a quarterback in 2020 and draft one in 2021. Um. I think the only way you can justify this is if you go out and and target a veteran player, uh, but a player who has some potential to potentially fill the void in the short term, which I don't think really fits what Miami wants to do. I think it's much more likely Miami with a few more wins picking in the back half of the top 10. They have all the ammunition in the world, as we already said. If they're not going to jump up into the first two or three picks to draft their the quarterback of their choice or a quarterback of their choosing, it's because they choose not to. And if they choose to go a different direction, um, you know, more power to you. Um, this is a long-term build. And I think that the fact that the Dolphins have shown the competitiveness that they have and, and the ability to win football games with such a talent depleted roster is a testament to the coaching of Brian Flores and uh, really takes the pressure off, uh, the Dolphins, because the expectation f- for this team was to, for a lot of people to be 0-16. And if you go 0-16, well, then you better damn well better draft your quarterback right away and get it squared away and go out and, you know, go win six games next year. Because if you don't show improvement, you're going to be out of a job. And I, I think the Dolphins' growth from their coaching staff and players to this point in this year already has kind of alleviated some of that pressure of, well, you're really going to be under the microscope because they're gasped, not tanking. Take from David Ballin. It's going to be LSU versus Ohio State college football playoff final with LSU winning due to being the more battle-tested team this season. Logical take, in my opinion. I mean, I think most people would tell you those are the best two teams in college football. Four top ten wins for LSU. Ohio State smoking everyone they see. Anxious to see Ohio State facing but they got Penn State, Michigan, and then the Big Ten Championship coming up here. So I want to see how they continue to play in those games. And, of course, LSU, who still has to play probably Georgia in the SEC Championship game. But I think it's a logical take. I can see all the signs pointing in that direction. 
And um, I want to see that game personally. I'd love to have that, right? Burrow going up against Ohio State. Uh, Justin Fields, an X-Factor type quarterback against that LSU defense. <sighs> Give it to us. I think I think for, for football people that aren't necessarily fans of a specific team, that, that's got to be the game you want to see. Oh, the, and that secondary, right? That Ohio State secondary against Burrow? Come on, brother. And Chase Young healthy? Let's go. Let's go. All right, here we go. Uh, Kieran says this is an e- this might be the easiest take we've ever faced on this on this here takes on takes. Kieran Flood says Lamar Jackson is the most exciting player in the NFL and it's not even close. Yeah, <laughs> um, I use the phrasing spectacular to describe uh, Deshaun Watson for his work within the player, but um, or work within the pocket. But uh, if you're going to look at Lamar as an all around threat and you hold your breath when he's in the open field. Did you see their Heisman package this past week, Joe for a Lamar? They had Lamar RG three and Mark Ingram all in the backfield. Mm. And they call it their Heisman package because they've all won the Heisman. Oh boy. Did they, and they and call they, that's crazy. I didn't they know ran triple. They ran triple option with it. With Ingram as the dive back, Lamar at quarterback, and RG3 was the pitch man. And Lamar actually pitched it to RG3. <laughs> That's great. That's Super fun. fun. Love what Baltimore is doing on offense. Most exciting offense in the NFL, and Lamar's playing quarterback. So I'm not going to fight you with that, Kieran. Absolutely not. Uh, take from Dom. A little vocabulary here. Yeah, a couple of them. After extirp. Extirpating Bama? Extirpating? Extirpating Bama? Yeah. Joe Burrow will not be stopped until he gets his reprisal on Ohio State. All right, so let's deal with the vocabulary here. Uh, extirpating oh. is to retaliate, to remove or destroy totally, exterminate, do away with. Okay, and rep- so that's uh, accurate. Yeah, reprisal is an uh, act of retaliation. Uh, so after, okay. Yep. That's good. Bama. Uh, well, I think, I think he's in the, the, the point being here is he's in the driver's seat for, uh, college football playoff berth. So, right. Obviously SEC, SEC championship, college football playoffs, and of course the national championship game, which all those arrows point to LSU, Ohio state. we got to see it all happen, but oh man, how fun would that be? You talk about just like a storybook year for one guy i mean if, if burrow has lsu undefeated wins the heisman and goes goes and beats ohio state in the natty i mean that's that's the story of stories and and man i'd love to see it uh, burrow seems very easy to root for i'm here for the tweets that would come from joe burrow after oh yeah just based on what we've seen from the post bama yeah uh fallout one of the one of the most entertaining follows on twitter right now is joe burrow we need it we need it if I, unless I don't know, everybody should be rooting for that. <laughs> so, all right, here we go. Uh, you get this next one. It comes from Andrew. Who no, said, it comes in, comes in from Zach. Oh yeah. Good call. Turned here. in Andrew. Yeah. Zach. Hey bear turned in Andrew, uh, who Andrew says Steelers second half opposing quarterbacks. And he lists them. Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield twice, Ryan Finley, Kyler Murray, Josh <laughs> Allen, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, how many of these guys are better than Mason Rudolph? Lamar Jackson, maybe Kyler. That's it. Ready to work through this, sir? Yeah, this is pretty. Uh, this is a pretty <laughs> potent take here. All right. So the question is, 
is Mason Rudolph better than the quarterback I'm going to name? All right. So here we go. Mason Rudolph or Jared Goff? Jared Goff's better quarterback right now. All right. Mason Rudolph or Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback. Mason Rudolph or Ryan Finley? Mason Rudolph is a better quarterback. Okay. So there's the first win for Mason, right? Yep. Mason or Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray is a better quarterback than Mason Rudolph. Mason or Josh Allen? Josh Allen is a better quarterback than Mason Rudolph. Mason or Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold is a better quarterback than Mason Rudolph. <laughs> Mason or Lamar? Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Mason Rudolph. In conclusion? <laughs> no. The answer here is no. Listen, the only reason anybody's even contemplating this about Pittsburgh is because Pittsburgh has really dialed in this passing offense to do a lot of quick stuff, right? If you've watched any Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. this year, it feels like there's a lot of quick stuff to get the ball out of his hands. He's only been sacked nine times this season, but his uh, yards per attempt is 6.6, which is a low number. He's only thrown four interceptions because he's not asked to push the ball down the field all that often. Uh, His QBR is 41 on the year. I know that's kind of an arbitrary number. Uh, His net yards gained per pass attempt is six, which is a low number. Uh, I think Pittsburgh has done a really good job of kind of tailoring their offense to take advantage of uh, some of the, the athleticism that they have and not ask Mason Rudolph to do too much. But Joe, come on. This team's winning. You wrote about this the other day. This team is winning because the defense is playing lights out football right now. Pittsburgh has beaten their last three games are wins against Miami, Indianapolis, and the Rams. The defense won on the Rams game. The defense won on the Colts game. And Miami is not a good football team, period. And Mason Rudolph in each of those three games had completion or uh, QB ratings of mid-80s. Not very good. I'm not taking the cheese on Mason Rudolph because the box score looks promising. Well, I mean, the, the, he may be a perfectly fine quarterback for Pittsburgh, but to say right now that he's better than all of those QBs except for Lamar and maybe Kyler is bad. Strong. Very <laughs> strong. Take from Michael Christopher. Adam Gase is the next Lane Kiffin or vice versa. Overrated by NFL circles that only care about themselves and their images. Michael is not a fan yeah, of Adam Gase or, or Lane Kiffin. Does Adam Gase have fans? Is, is anybody, is there, is there an no. Adam Gase apologist out there? Oh man, we got to have him on the pod. If there, if there, not anymore. if there is at this point, um, I, do you think that Adam Gase got that job for just lack of options for the jets? They kind of ran out everyone. They had weird stipulations on the position and this was all right. This is, this is it. This is the best we can do. And they hired him? Absolutely. Because it was going to be McCarthy. And McCarthy said, screw you if you're going to choose my <laughs> assistance for me. Right. And then they, they went after Matt Rule. And Matt Rule said, I'm not jumping to the NFL and walking away from a really good opportunity if you're not going to let me choose my staff. Meanwhile, Adam Gase is like, man, <laughs> I'm out of a job. I'll take it. I'll take any job. Yeah. Anything's better than Miami. Yeah. And then he brings all the same assistant staff with him that was in Miami from an offensive perspective. And lo and behold, 
the team's worst offensive football all over again. It, it you know, it feels like we've seen these situations before where it's kind of like teams just had to get a guy and it, you, Jim Tom Sula with the 49ers, maybe Mike Pettin with the Browns kind of stand out as guys that were just, we got to get through the damn year. And I think Adam Gase is in that. I don't think he's overrated. I don't think anybody wanted him. I don't think Adam Gase is going to be uh, a desirable commodity once he gets fired by the Jets, whether that's this year or next year. God, I hope he's there for a long time because they just keep thinking that it's the right thing to do. But, man, I don't know. I'm not. What's next for Adam Gase? Is, it may not be coaching. It's definitely not broadcasting. Uh, he might just kind of fade. He might go to the college ranks. I'm not sure. But. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like the NFL likes him either. One, one more, right? Last one today. Yeah, it's, All right. it's for me. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I, there's a, there's a point in every take. It would not be a takes on takes Tuesday without you With, keeping track of yeah, who's up. who goes and there being a weird pause and us having this moment. Brownstown, Andy. The Bills should be in the AFC North, and the Ravens should be in the AFC East. Cold weather and classic fan base. The Bills have the AFC North feel. Well, I know you're really big on uh, geographic locations and those making sense, right? Yeah. I think both of these adjustments make some sense. While we're at it, let's move Miami to the AFC South. Duh, right? <laughs> right. Let's let's really get these teams close together so we can really play on those those rivalries. I think uh, should and any opportunity of it actually happening, obviously being very different things. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely when I think of the AFC North, I think of Pittsburgh in December, right? I think of Cleveland with lake effect snow. So I think he's got a good point yeah. there. Um. But of course, the 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 big miss there is missing out on the Baltimore Pittsburgh rivalry that exists, and yeah. it's been one of the better rivalries in the NFL for the past decade. Any realignment discussions? There's going to be sacrifices that, but if, if geography matters, which I think it should, Buffalo, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh has got to be a division. It has to be, and then you have to have Jets, Giants, Patriots, Ravens, or or not the Ravens, put the Eagles. You have to have Eagles, Jets, Giants, Patriots. That's got to be a division. But you know, it'll be fun. Yeah. What? Just do like a, a division draft. Oh, so yes, this is a whole big can of worms, but like what the um, what the soccer leagues do in Europe. They reset every year. It's like the top eight teams, and then mm-hmm. they fall in place under some procedures. But I would love that for parity because I hate Kyle. I actually don't like the fact that teams build teams and make roster decisions to compete or counter what happens within their division. Build a, a team, all right, build a team the way you want to build it, and go play ball. Didn't the Steelers just come out and say that? Or was it the Ravens that just came out and said that? Man, I, if they... Like every, every player on our roster is constructed with two things in mind. Beating the Patriots in the AFC and beating either the Steelers or the Ravens, whichever one wasn't the one that actually said it. I hate it. And, and especially because you and I, more than Jets, Dolphins... Bills fans more than anything have had to deal with the freaking Patriots in division, you know, forever. And and this run, this 18, 19 years of Brady and Belichick. Meanwhile, you've got every other division in football with random teams winning it. And there's, there's good competition and parity 
and the you just got three teams just spinning their wheels for uh, two decades now trying to figure this damn thing out and it's it's been i don't know if unfair is the word but it's it's caused it's caused really challenging discussions within the fan bases it creates weird expectations within the fan bases and i think that's why you know it's just sometimes we've seen so many different coaches general managers personnel quarterbacks constantly churning in that in that division to keep pace with the Patriots and nobody can do it. Well, if you rotate it around, it could look a little bit differently. That'd be fun. That'd be a fun conversation to try and flesh out and see how you could logistically make it work. Amen. Maybe another time. Because we're done here today, Joe. We are done. Takes on takes is over. Back into our regular routine. Look forward to uh, tomorrow kind of shooting the breeze around the water cooler. Then we got uh, betting lines on Thursday, so lots to look forward to. Come back and see us. If you have additional hot takes for the next edition of Takes on Takes, now will be the time to send them in. You can send them to the at the Joe Marino or at Grinding Tape. And thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Juice Podcast.